Okay, here we go. Here we go. Love you. Uh, you know, it's sorry to be a little late. There's a lot going on. Uh, let's pray and then we'll go. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us sinners. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing about Philip Filling. He's 18 years old. But the organ was very nice, was it not? So, um, you know, when he grows up, he'll have great potential. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a nice boy. I, uh, so the feel at that service is exactly the feel that we're looking for. Everything sort of clipped along. You had the sufficient number of kids crying out. Um, you know, there are a few stumbles by, you know, some... It was all... It, that's exactly how you want the feel to be. You want it to clip along and sort of bury, and you can drop in, you can drop out. But it was well played and well done, and that's... And you were, uh, you know, you were vibrant, and... You know, it was done in 58 minutes and 39 seconds. So that's exactly, you know, what we're looking for. That was the deal. So, you know, if you're looking for what should it look like on Sunday morning, that's what it should look like. Um, so that's good. Uh, second, you heard in the prayers that um, Sam Watts passed away. He had served in Afghanistan. He was very um, severely injured by a bomb. Um, we've been in touch with the family most days since it happened and almost every day this week. And Sue sent me a a text yesterday morning, late in the morning, uh, and we've traded several texts since then. I don't know the details. All I know is that it will be fine because the military knows exactly what to do and we know what to do, and it'll be a pleasure to work with them because they'll be very efficient. Um, There's a captain who's supposed to be calling me and giving me the details. I don't know what the details are. When I know, you know, I will let you know. But in some sense, it's really the family's news to tell, although with Facebook and everything, you know, everything gets told. So, I don't know what the details are. Several of you have asked. We have a holiday weekend coming up next weekend. I don't know what that means um, for anybody's schedules or the military schedules. But, um, you know, we'll let you know when we know, okay? So, but you should keep the family in your prayers because that's an extraordinarily difficult thing. Uh, beyond that, I'm trying to think what else. St. Matthew's Soup Kitchen needs tables. You know, if you drop a million dollars in those little baskets, they will buy, you know, 10 gold-plated tables for people. So uh, if you get some money, Saint, Saint, I mean, St. Matthew's, it's a, you can hardly imagine that, you know, you can hardly do a better thing than feed people. So um, feed them. So they need tables, and, and we like St. Matthew's. St. Uh, Matthew's in Little Village. So that's an outreach of a, of a Lutheran church down there. It's actually Tony Lowe's dad. Tony, Tony around somewhere? They're always here. There he is. So it's Tony. It's your dad who runs that thing. He's a very faithful guy, and uh, that's not easy work. And um, so we're, we're always ho- hopeful, you know, and, and we want to help them when we can. It's great when it comes to our attention. And Carol Heidorn always does a great job of saying, here's another thing you can do. And, you know, it's that's how... That's how leaven works in the world. A little bit of leaven, and it kind of puffs up. A little light in the darkness, and then another, and it just kind of keeps going, okay? So, you know, there you go. What else? Anything else uh, to ask about? I gave you a little thing on the demonic. There were two, actually, um, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what I didn't think we were going to talk about last week, but that's okay. Uh, I just give you that because that's, those are ancient stories about how seriously people took things like the demonic, and also the counterpart, the sign of the cross, the sphargus, that's mentioned there, is when um, people, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very early development in baptism when people were marked with the sign of the cross with oil. So oil, you know, you know that as chrism, which, you know, more ancient than that is Christing, which is, and you anointed in the Old Testament prophets, priests, and kings, and you did that to mark them as some special class. Well, of course, the church um, latched onto that very early, 
When you're baptized, you're a special class. You're drawn into a particular family of a particular status. What's interesting and what we forget is how, uh, and, and to, our, to our detriment, you know, with our baptism comes this, comes this privilege of protection that we uh, don't pay enough attention to. Um, and so those are two very interesting stories about people who you know, go places that nobody else would go just solely based on the fact that they wear the cross of Christ because they were baptized. Um, so you should never, the, the world is a ruthless and sometimes very difficult place, but never give up. You, know, never, you never give up. It, light in the darkness, you know, a little light in a lot of darkness. You never give up um, so long as you're on the side of the angels. You see, so long as you're on the side of the incarnation, which means things like manipulation and darkness and lying and gossiping, all those sorts of things. That's what we How about that? There we go, there you go. You're a genius, Orton, thanks. Uh, you know, the, the problem with anything that's darkness is, with complaint, but it goes for any darkness, with any sin is, you show, you show the demonic your weak places. And frankly, um, you know, the best thing I heard over the weekend was, when your opponent is doing something, um, when, when, you're, when your opponent is doing something stupid, don't interrupt them. So, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of what you, you know, when you're doing something stupid like complaining or lying or gossiping or manipulating or working in the darkness, believe me, the demons are not going to interrupt you. They're just going to let you kind of carry on and you'll ultimately destroy yourself. And then when you get all worn out, that's particularly the place that you'll be attacked. So, um, light and darkness is the basic way. It is the most basic way to distinguish what's of Christ and what's not of Christ. Okay? So anything that comes to you, and I kind of, this is where I was going last week when we took this huge thing, you know, this huge detour, it is the most basic way to discover um, whether you're on the side of the angels. So turn to 1 John, and, uh, you know, just, we'll just sort of read a little bit. This is such a gentle, you know, kind, I mean, you can just sort of see this old guy at the end of his career, he's the only one of the, just of the 12 that wasn't, that, that died a natural death, you know, Judas goes badly and all the rest are martyred in some horrible way in some far corner of the earth. And, you know, it's left to him to sort of give the church some guidance and, uh, you know, he's honored with epistles, um, the God, the fourth gospel, and then also... Um, you know, with these, uh, with, with the revelation where you get a description of what's happened. So First John, you got it? What's, what is it, 1020, if you've got the standard issue? So just, you know, just sort of a gentle read. That which was from the beginning. So as soon as he says that which was from the beginning, what do you hear in your head? John 1.1. 1, 1. You do? And when you hear John 1.1, 1, 1, what do you hear in your head? Genesis 1. Okay, there you go. So this is why we always say to you, there's just one story in Scripture. There's the story of death and resurrection. There's the story of darkness and light. There's the story of sin and grace. It's the same story. And here he's telling you, that which was from the beginning. So you should hear John 1, and you should hear Genesis 1. So now you hear it again. That which was from the beginning. Before Abraham was, I am. Exactly right. With the great Yahweh verse. Exactly right. That which was from the beginning. Now the interesting thing is, which we have heard, so that's not quite so difficult because you could hear it, where could you hear it? You could have heard it from, where would you have heard it? Where would you have heard the story of Genesis, the story of John? Where would you have heard it? In synagogue, where else? In temple, where else? From your parents, yeah. 
Some Sunday school, yeah, from anybody who's, you're living in a culture, you're living in a culture that the great thing about the Hebrew language is that it was a theological language. Unlike other languages, it really bears the freight of the divine because it grew up as a theological language. So we heard it. Now that's still, you know, you're, you're not quite home free yet. It was from the beginning. We have heard it, that which we have seen with our eyes. Now we're getting a little more tangible. Um, when you see things, normally you see things. What do you say about things when you see things? They're normally... True or real, good, although you can see apparitions and people can hallucinate. Have you been watching this show my kid watches where this guy's in two parallel lives? And the, I just walked into the room and this guy was sitting next to him in the car and he said, who are you? He said, I'm your imagination. Have you been watching this? Anybody watching this show? What is it called? Awake. Has anybody been watching this? It's just, it's the whole Matrix, Pomo, there's all kinds of realities. It's no different than Lao Tzu. Zhuangzi um, woke up. When he woke up, he didn't know if he was Zhuangzi dreaming was a butterfly or a butterfly um, dreaming he was Zhuangzi. See, this is, you know, this is, it's been there from forever. The, you know, this whole thing. So you see it. You hear it, but you're still in apparition territory there. You're, there's still the possibility, and now what's next? Which we have looked at. So a good Hebrew says things a couple of times in spiral. So you remember that John's gospel spirals around. It, it doesn't, it's not linear. It was Monday, it was Tuesday, it was Wednesday. It comes around to big themes. And you know that in Revelation, it comes around to big themes. You get three big Eucharists in a row in Revelation. It's not primarily about the lake of fire. It's primarily about having a holy Eucharist. Okay? So, um, which we looked at, and finally then, that which our hands have touched. You see? So feeling is the great, you know, go ahead and put your hands here. If you really want to, you know, go ahead. You can if you want. And you remember the icon we saw of the, the lamb where Jesus is holding the lamb. He's not bleeding, but he clearly has holes left, right? I mean, if you need to, when you get to heaven, you can go ahead. So that which, we ha- that's wh- which was from the beginning, in the beginning there was, right? Was from forever. That which we have heard, that's which we have seen, that's which we have looked at, that's which we have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, big W. So what's the church's job? The church's job is to proclaim. Now, you, you hear proclaim, and I hear proclaim normally as verbal, but that, you know, as you've learned over the whole past year, proclamation comes in all sorts of ways. It comes by way of your nose. You know, when you get anointed, when the last thing that happens before you die is you get anointed and you smell the same oil with which you were baptized, you remember that Jesus is there for you, even if nothing else works. Your nose can proclaim. Your skin can proclaim. The best thing about your skin is you can get it wet. You can put oil on it. You can baptize it. You know, icons proclaim. Scripture proclaims. The person sitting next to you proclaims. A life proclaims. You give money to the soup kitchen. That proclaims, you see. So and you, you have to take seriously the notion that you're the body of Christ. That you're the body of Christ and that, that you're put together in a way that you as a body proclaim, which is why it's so important for a church to be held together by the very things that Jesus talks about, primarily light. Light is the easiest. When anybody says, let's do it in the darkness, you know that you've gone the wrong way. Pause. I've told you then there is a huge difference between what's private and what's secret. So people come for private absolution. Old Orton comes and he says, you know, this is how it is for me. And then the pastor says to him, well, Jesus died for that one too. Um, Go and sin no more. Bear fruits that befit repentance. Right? Make restitution. That's private. Now, 
If that conversation were known to his wife, to the other pastors, to the elders, to the governing board, or to the voters, or the whole world, everybody would say, we didn't really need to know that about him, but we're glad that happened. That's private, that's salutary. There are some things that do happen in private. The touchstone for that is that every, if everybody knew, their reaction would be fantastic. Okay? So I'm not saying everybody knows everything. What I'm saying is, is it, the touchstone is if there were light, everybody would say that's exactly right, as opposed to secret. And now you can push away all the secret things, you know, the abuse of children, telling lies, gossip, manipulation, Facebook, blah, 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 you know. <clears throat> uh, well, no, I don't really, well, never mind. Okay, so, um, I mean, if there's any proof of original sin, it's Facebook. Uh, I mean, all you've got to do is, all you got to all these people who think it's their bedroom and really it's their living room. It's there for the whole world. Um, so there's no, you know, I thought YouTube was going to be the top of that, but no, not. So um, this is the simplest thing, light and darkness, okay? This life appeared, you know, this life appeared. We've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and appeared to us. Isn't that interesting? That the thing that you appear, that appears to you, which takes tangible form, that's life. In fact, eternal life. So you now you have to think about the Holy Trinity. What's happening in the Holy Trinity? They love each other. They cooperate. They're individual persons with individual personalities. But they share the same goal, which is to have you home again. And they do work according to their station. So the Father sends the Son with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Son is strengthened even unto death. The Father grieves that death. The Son is raised to life. He's glorified. He sits at the right hand. He prays for you all day long. Romans 8 and, and, and Hebrews. You know, he, the, the Spirit comes. Jesus goes up. The Spirit comes down. He animates the church. And then just for fun, Jesus puts himself in the water at baptism. Irenaeus, we're like little fishes swimming after the big fish. Or he puts himself in the Eucharist, my body, my blood. And so the holy, tangible touch, what happens to Judy this morning is Jesus touches her with his body and blood from the cross, and she's a new person. She's tasted the divine. The great collect where it says um, that we prayed for Ascension Day. You go up so that we may participate in the divine life. You participate because the divine touches you tangibly. And now... She's a different sort of person. And when you talk to her or touch or interact, especially true for you, Jack. Jack, especially true for you, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Of course, it goes the other way, too. Um, you know, what, 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 what you see in her is, is, is that she bears the, the Svargus. The, she bears the cross of Christ. She carries the wounds of Christ in her body. It's all tangible stuff because you're tangible people. You see this? So this is going very, very well for you so far. Um, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard and that you also may have fellowship with us. So it's all about the koinonia, um, the communio, the communion, being in the body, being part of the gang. So everybody, um, genius little conversation with Penny Rosenwinkel this morning. We were talking about how... um, test this in your own. One of the reasons the church doesn't work very well anymore is that families don't work any, very well anymore. 
So the church was always considered to be a family, but frankly, we don't know how to be families anymore because both parents are working and the kids are shipped out to somebody else and we're very mobile and we're moving around and there's no nuclear family and we've lost our parameters for what a family looks like. Then we come to church and we're meant to be a family and we don't quite know, you know what it is to be a family because we haven't practiced anymore. We're not very, we're not very good at it. I would just put that up as a thesis to be tested. Um, so what's he trying to do? He's trying to bring us into this fellowship. And one of the things we talked about two years ago and we sort of held on our radar is this notion of communio. I really got to get to a bigger print Bible. I can't, I, even with the glasses, I can't get to the other one. Uh, you know, this notion, of what, or ne- this, this notion that what people want is to be in communion. People don't want to come to church and fight. They don't want to come to church and hear bad things about other people. The world is a rough place. What people want to come to church and hear is that everybody around them will also live by divine love. They want the confidence that when they look around the room, everybody else will play in the light. And this, I talked to you about this last week. This is why sin in the church is so destructive, starting with pastors and then working on through. You know, a pastor's sin in the sanctuary is the greatest sin because it turns everything upside down, right? And your sin in the church are greater sins because they turn precisely the holy place, they make it unholy. Precisely the place that's meant to be light is made into darkness. Church gossip is, you know, I'm sure Dante has a special level of hell for that. You know, somewhere, he has to, you know. Um, You know, well, so, uh, that which we've heard and proclaimed to you so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. You love each other, and you're loved up into fellowship with the Holy Trinity. And now the church is connected to um, heaven by the body and blood of uh, Christ, by the Holy Spirit that's come down. I was sort of counting the number of times we prayed for Sam today in the liturgy. You know, He comes up so many times in different places now. The collect... Um, you know, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, you know, gather your people from the ends of the earth. All of that is for, we're meant to be a family that's indistinguishable, part of already tasting that family that's above us, okay? And we're writing you that our joy may be complete. So here's the thing. You're, you're, you're four verses in, and it's completely clear what you're meant to have in the church. Joy is a mark of the gospel. If a church is not joyful... Um, it's barely hanging on as the church. So I just want to pause for you and ask yourself, I don't, and I don't, I'm not going to belabor this because I don't want to, because um, this is fun and I want to have fun with it, but frankly, if you reflect now, I'll give you 10 seconds, about your church history, would you say primarily that your history in the church has been joyful, A, joyful, or B, non-joyful? What would you say? That's actually very good. Um, you're completely misguided and uh, not, not of, of normal, normal ken. Uh, because normally if you ask people how their church is, um, that's not normally the first response. If it's your first response, God bless you, keep going. Because that's a light to the world. What Jesus wants is that you'll be joyful. Doesn't mean you won't suffer. You'll suffer for good things. Doesn't mean that everything will work your way. Sometimes it doesn't work your way. And we've learned over the past couple of years, we spent a whole year talking about how pain brings growth. But it only brings growth because you're hopeful that God's going to sort it out. So this is pretty cool. In four verses, he's told you how to be the church. Christ appears to you. Christ is the second person of the Trinity. Christ is the Word made flesh. 
Christ touches you. When he touches you, he makes you his community. When he makes you his community, he gives you light. When you have light, you have joy. Boom, there it is. That's the whole church in four verses. Not really that hard, is it? Of course, where can things go wrong? Along the way, okay, and primarily in darkness. John, do you have this thing? You think you can make it work? Well, well, we'll see if I you can. It. It's buffered, but all of a sudden I can't talk to the projectors. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, we'll I come back to you. I need to reboot, and then I'll lose my buffer. So. We'll come back. See, this is going to be, well, I don't believe me, there'll be other possibilities. Yes, Mr. How Orton. Can, how can anybody say it's not joyful when you listen to what happened at the first service with the congregation? Well, see, that's the thing. So, and exactly right. So how can the you music. say it's not joyful when you're, the music was fantastic. The bells were, you know, come on. It was just, it was like, dun, 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 here we go. And the feel of the place, everything is alive and people are coming around. And now just I want to say to you, you two are married, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, okay, just want to check on that. <laughs> a long time. How many years have you been married? 48. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm just guessing. I mean, this is an outside guess with my long experience. But I'm guessing there's been a day or two in 40 years when you woke up and looked at her and said, or maybe I should go the other way, and she said, there must be some mistake. I mean, there's been, <laughs> right? I mean, this has happened a time or two, and you're right, right? Yeah. So, but here's the thing. Mostly not like that, because you don't last 48 years. Of, see, here's the deal. So. Uh, so what does that mean? Mostly it's been joyful. Yeah. So all I'm saying to you is exactly, you cling to days like this and you ask yourself, I could tell from the, from the time I walked in the door this morning, there was just something going on. People were happy. They were greeting each other. They were looking each other in the eyes. You know, right away I saw Philip. The bell people were here. The vicar was so relaxed. He's watching the video, which means he's got all his work done. <laughs> Pastor Nelson is in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, how much better can it get? Uh, you know, and it just, you know, it just, you can some days, so here's the thing, and your marriage is like that some days too. Um, when things are going well, don't interrupt it, right? You know, just, you know, just, so that's what you want to, care for it, nurture it, don't be afraid of it, but let it go. Now, the thing is, is we're very good at screwing things up. In the church, screwing things up, very good at, means original sin. In us, we have this notion that we just can't leave things alone. You know, and it's just, it's just the, it's the first story in scripture was, which is, I think I could improve on what the Lord is doing. I could be a better God than God. He just gets in my way so often, you know? I mean, every sin boils down to that, that you think you could be a better God than God, that I think I could just do it just a little better. Um, What happens then, though, is you always have to do that in the darkness. Because Jesus is light. And the gospel was fascinating today. Jesus is telling you exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. I'm going to go up. The Spirit's going to come down. The Father's going to bless it. I'm going to make you one. I'll keep loving you. Your joy will be complete. This is all going to work out. Ten minutes later, they're in Gethsemane, and the whole voters' meeting is scattered into the darkness as the soldiers come, right? So, you know, um, we say, so I just want to say to you, Great day today. Love you. You're here. There's a lot of people. It was fantastic. Hold on to that. And when things don't go so well, even in your marriage, one of the things you do is you remember how handsome he was on the day you married him, right? (laughs) So you remember, one of the good things about memory is you remember what it could be like. And of course, that's why the church always remembers too, right? So we're joyful. Life's good. Okay. Um, We'll keep going because this, I can show you this anytime. This is the message we've heard from him. And proclaim to you. Now here's your touchstone. See, here it is. God is light, and in him is 
no darkness at all. So I just want to pause for a second. I was musing coming across the parking lot, things I remember and then things I'm sure that I will forget. But I was wondering this morning on the drive over whether all the problems in the church um, could probably be, or many of the problems that we suffer today are because we no longer make a good confession. So, you know, in Luther's time, there was private absolution. Everybody did it. I mean, yeah, people rebelled against it, and they had to have canon law, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, people who were spiritually aware really were taught to see where they had come up short, and they didn't act as if that was an anomaly. So what happens with us is we don't learn to confess, and because we don't learn to confess, our sins aren't out there commonly, and then when somebody has a sin, we act like it's a great big deal because, after all, we're all perfect. We're evangelicals. We live in wheat, and you've got to keep the veneer on. And therefore, you know, <laughs> like anything else you plug up, it eventually explodes all over the place. Where if you, I don't know if you saw, I think I mentioned to you this week, but I think I saw it in the Wall Street Journal. There was a, maybe, maybe a week ago Saturday, I don't remember, but basically, I think I said this to you, the number of spiritual directors, this association of spiritual directors, has gone from 600 to 20,000 in like seven years. But a spiritual director says to you things like, because you like to manipulate people, your relationships are never true. You know, because you're arrogant, you can never, you can never really love anybody because you always put yourself first. That's the way that priests used to talk to people. You would go in and you would say, you know, I just, I hate my parents. My parents are always in my way. I wish they were dead. And the priest would say to you things like, your entire world is upside down. You'll never be able to survive like that. Your problem is that somehow you think the order of the cosmos should be turned upside down for you. You're crazy. And go say 30 Hail Marys. So, um, you know, but we don't do that anymore. So we sort of act as if we don't really have sins because we act like we don't really have sins. We don't really appreciate the light. We don't really know how to live with each other. And then every once in a while when somebody, you know, looks at somebody cross-eyed, we think that's an aberration as opposed to you know, we're all doing it all the time, and it would be better if we just got it in the light. Does that make sense to you? You can puzzle about that. If we did a better job of confessing, even in the way of Luther's small catechism, we would do a better job of being church because we'd be much harder on ourselves and much more lenient on the people around us. We would be much more in community and much more, okay. Okay, so here's what darkness does to you. Have I showed you this before? Okay, strap in. Uh, here's the thing, uh, you know, we'll just see, this is, uh, this is your, this is the, this is light and darkness. Here you go, we'll see. Now, we don't have, the wireless isn't always great here, so, you know, you may get some pauses that are unintended, but let's see what we get. So, and believe me, there are people on YouTube who name themselves Lutheran Satire, and this is what they do all day. So, uh, go ahead. Hello, Pastor. Hello, George. I just wanted to let you know that some people in the congregation have told me that they don't like some of the things you're doing. Oh. 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 Right there. Oh. How can this be? See, when you complain, the demons know exactly where you okay. are. Let me, let me go get that it. That could loud. not have been better. Let me go get it. Oh, loud. boy, here we go. I got lost my oh. words. Oh, that's okay. All right, well, we'll see what happens. We, we'll have to get a plug, actually, maybe, at some time. I'm too far. There's I'm, no wireless I'm here. I'm too far. There's too many people in the room. I had a, <laughs> I had a great signal telling everyone came in. We could play it, and then I could t
Well, here's the thing. We'll leave this, and we'll see if we can come back to it. That's all right. I mean, this is all sort of... Uh, Maybe we'll get a hard wire. Maybe we'll get a hard wire for this for you. Yeah. But um, every teacher needs a techie. And, uh, oh, techie. what's that? You want to act it out? No, I don't actually want. To. Here's the problem. I have acted it out. It never comes out as well as this. Do we have no? We have no hard wire in here at all. Do we have a hard wire in the wall? All right, we'll see what happens. Anyway, well, we'll keep going up there Wait, to be I'm, continued. I'm Really? I will try one more time because, you know, because this is summer and we're just goofing around, okay? Was that the ultimate uh, volume we could do there? That was all of it, huh? So it's really funny, but you can't laugh because otherwise you won't be able to hear it. There's all sorts of downsides. Okay, here we go. Okay. What does that mean? To be continued. uh, Maybe we can download it someday and show it to you. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Anyway, you're... um, so what you're looking for is uh, joy comes by way of light. And um, so here it is. I mean, this is just so easy. This is the message we've heard from him. We proclaim to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So if you want to be divine, if you want to be Christian, if you want to be little Jesus to each other, the way Luther says, if that's what you want, then your whole, your whole life is given to sweeping away darkness with the distinction of private versus um, Secret. So here's the thing. This happened about eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, there was some youth group over in Glen Ellen that was growing like crazy, and even our kids were starting to go over. And then, of course, what, we had parents who came to us and said, why can't your youth group be like this? They had 400 kids there last week. So I'm like, hey, go figure out what they're doing there. So this is what they were doing. They had an open mic, you know, and they had all these kids sitting around, and then kids would come up one after another, and they'd say, I know I talked to you last week about sleeping with my boyfriend, and I told you that I wouldn't sleep with my boyfriend this week, but I slept with him three more times, and I just want you all to forgive me. So what is it? It's just sort of ecclesiastical voyeurism. And, of course, all the kids showed up because they were all interested in what all the other kids were doing. (laughs) And it was really easy to grow the youth group. I mean, it was really easy because every week, one kid after another would get up and say all the things they'd done, and then what happens? You know? Yeah, it's the Jerry Springer show, exactly, which is darkness on top of darkness. That's not how, that's not how light, that is not light. That is, a, that, that is the worst possible kind of darkness because here's the thing, none of those kids are equipped to handle other kids' sins. We're, we're usually ill-equipped to handle our own darkness. It's part of the burden of being a pastor and an elder is that you know a lot of things about people that you wish you didn't know. And part of the grinding thing on leaders in a church is that they know things and touch things and deal with things that, that just wear you down. Evil just grinds you down. And so if you spread that evil throughout, then you grind everybody down. So what happens is, this is the reason Jesus absorbs sin in a way that other people don't, but also the disciples absorb sin in the way other people don't. You know, why is it that when the disciples come to town, all the demons meet them? Why is that? You know, because that's where the battle is done. So, you know, it's very clear to be, if you want to be like Jesus, you sweep the darkness out. That's what happens. Um, If we say we have fellowship with him, so if we say we're in the community, if we say that we're in the community, that we have fellowship, koinonia, Eucharistic community, if we say that we're the body of Christ, the body, fellowship, of Christ with him, if that's what we say about ourselves, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness... Walking in the darkness, now we've talked about this a thousand times, your pilgrimage is from here to Eden. 
And it follows right in the footsteps of Jesus, and it's extraordinarily clear what that looks like. It looks like a path as wide as the Ten Commandments. Don't do that, don't do that. You know, love God, come to church, use his holy name. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Be satisfied with what you got, and the rest of the world is yours. Have fun. So you have this path that you're meant to walk on. If you step off the path into lying, cheating, stealing, not being satisfied with what you got, if you don't come to church, it's not my fault, it's your fault. If you don't say your prayers, that's all on you. And if you have idols, you'll be dead soon. Okay? So if you step off into darkness, you are on your own. You're basically saying, there's only one sin, it's the first sin, and you say, I don't really need you as God. And then everything after that becomes darkness. But if you say, you're my God and I'll do anything, then I'll do anything for you, anything you say, anything in your way. When that happens, then you say, I'm so sorry I've done this. And then you find a loving father who, prodigal sonishly, pulls you in and says, um, I love you more than you know, and I forgive you in advance. And that's what the community is supposed to be. It's supposed to be marked by that love and joy and light. But you notice that... It's because people have pulled the sin into the light and pulled grace into the light, and then things can heal up and they can go forward. It takes time, and we spend a whole year in 08 talking about that, how much time that takes, but it nevertheless is always towards healing. So here it is right here. You see how much of this is crammed into just a few verses. This is the message we heard from him, from the Word, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's why in Revelation it says the sun never goes down in heaven because there's no darkness in heaven. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we're in the church and we walk in the darkness, we break any of the commandments repeatedly, habitually, with glee, you know, as a matter of policy, mortal sins and venial sins that are cultivated rather than rooted out, we lie. And just a pause. I just want to say this. If you lie, this has been a great stumbling block for me in this congregation. If you lie, you're a liar. Now, that's not clear because occasionally people say, you called that person a liar. I'm like, yeah, they lied. If you murder, you're a murderer. Meet St. Paul. Okay? You know, we, our sins don't float out here somewhere. My sins are mine. They stick to me until they're cleansed from me. So we shouldn't be too, you know, we shouldn't be too much about you know, this whole separate the sin from the sinner thing, it's good clinical psychology. It's not particularly good theology. Because what happens is Orton comes in with his sins and his pastor pull him off him like sticky tape, you know? Like, hey, this is only we'll do this quickly because then it'll hurt less. But we nevertheless pull it off him, okay? Now the problem is, and we've got to go after this, if this works, the problem is, is that because we're so unaware of light and we're so interested in darkness, because we haven't learned to confess, because joy is such a rare commodity in the church, because we built cultures of communities and families that don't communicate, who put the fun in dysfunction, then we get churches that look like this, okay? So here you go. You think you can do it? Yeah, I got a oh, so here you go. Um, we'll go from the, we'll take it from the top. There we go. Hello, Pastor. Hello, George. I just wanted to let you know that some people in the congregation have told me that they don't like some of the things you're doing. Oh dear. I should probably talk with them about this face-to-face. Who are these people? 
Inquire no more, you feral beast, for I have solemnly sworn never to reveal the identity of these countless individuals who have entrusted me with their most precious secrets. Well, at least we got it off the pastor and back on the lay person. We're not going to have to worry about that all week, okay? We'll do it we're next week. We're going to pay up the bill and try to get our technology savvied up a little bit. Oh, it won't be next week because young Burmeister comes next week to say about translation. Well, you know, you can go look for it and find it if you want. We'll probably play it for you someday. But um, basically, uh, you know, all I want to say to you is your, your, your Christian life is extraordinarily simple. You know, all you're, all you're trying to do with your Christian life, you're trying to, um, all you're trying to do in the Christian life is to live in the light. And when anybody invites you into the darkness, you should flee the other way. Your first response is to flee the other way. Your second response is if you, um, if you have stature and vocation, you can challenge it. Uh, your, uh, you know, your third response is to, you know, oh, I guess we should talk it over face-to-face in the light. Oh, interesting idea. Um, especially in light of Matthew 18, for example. But you flee that uh, unless, you have the, unless you have the ability. But it was very interesting that we had Psalm 1 this morning, which tells you exactly how temptation gets you, right? You remember, we sang Psalm 1, and we sang enough to know this is how temptation works. You're walking down the road, you see some sin, you stop. You stop for a while, and you get interested. You sit down. You sit down, you start to chat, and finally you're caught. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the way of sinners, doesn't stand in the way of the unrighteous, doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. It's the three things that happen. You're walking by. Instead of walking, you stop. Once you stop, you get interested. Once you get interested, you sit down. Once you sit down and engage it, boom, you're dead because rather than having the touch of Jesus, you have the touch of what's satanic. And suddenly, you're possessed. You're co-opted. So all of life is to avoid the evil. And now you've heard this a gazillion times. Touch holy things, don't touch unholy things. It's as simple as that. Spend your life touching and being touched by holy things and not touching unholy things. You see, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just that if you read the text, it all just comes flying out at you. Maybe we'll give that a go. Maybe we won't. Um, You can look it up if you want on YouTube. Things Your Pastor Totally Loves, Episode 5. I won't vouch for any of the other episodes because, you know, by definition, satire works because it's true. This This is why satire works. Because at some level, this is why teasing works. At some level, this is another essay for another day. At some level, teasing hurts us. At some level, satire works. Why? Because it's true. And you can't say it's not true because we're all damaged. So in some sense, a good satirist basically is somebody who's good at finding original sin. And then showing it to us in a way that is, can sometimes be cruel, but often can often help us repent of it. Um, so, anyway, uh, well, next week, uh, young Burmeister wants to tell you about, um, since it's the week of Pentecost, and there'll be a lot of people speaking in tongues all around the world, he would like to come in and tell you about the work they do at, um, uh, with the Lutheran Bible Translators. And I know a lot of you support them, and we love them, and they're in the congregation, and you know, a couple of different groups send them money. And so um, he asked if he could have that day, and uh, that's what we'll do next week. And then we'll kind of go after that, okay? All right, love you. Thanks for coming in. Let's pray.